the following podcast has a lot of cuss words, so deal with it, you Thank you for listening again. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, as always, want to say thank you for all the Facebook messages and YouTube comments. And thank you for subscribing to our iTunes channel and also our YouTube channel because that has blown up tremendously. I can't even explain. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this on iTunes right now, feel free to jump onto YouTube.com. Go to Duramax Tuner's YouTube page and subscribe there. You'll see all of the podcasts are posted. If you're listening on YouTube and you'd like to get them sooner, you actually can jump onto your iTunes account and subscribe on iTunes and you'll get them the, the actual day they're released. So it'll automatically download to your phone or your phone or your iTunes account. We will have an announcement on the contest for the Facebook winner. So we had a post recently. Uh, we wanted you to share, like, and share the post with a comment of your favorite quote. We had some really awesome quotes. If you haven't got a chance to do that yet, check out our Facebook page. We are going to pick a winner by the time this episode airs. So our, our next episode after this will actually have the announcement. Uh, we want to give you guys a little bit more time, so please keep them coming. I was cracking up. I was bringing me back to a couple old episodes, and it made me laugh, Paul. Absolutely. You know, it, it actually was funny because I I shared it, and I liked it, and my comment was, fuck Chris Emke, um, <laughs> which he sits next to me at work. So he got to see me writing it, and he gets tagged, and he's like, dude, what what's up, homie? And uh, yeah, I got to explain to him the contest. So it was, it was a lot of fun to get him to tell him that a few times. Uh, today, though, Danny, we got a really cool episode going on, huh? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we're going to talk Duramax turbos. With Jacob White from HTT. Absolutely. So I, I couldn't think of anybody better to bring on the, the podcast to talk to than Jacob. Uh, Jacob, how's it going today? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing great, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for coming Good, on the show. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, you're out there in Salt Lake City, aren't you? We are, yep, living with the elevation and the cold and the snow and the miserable, but... <laughs> That's why I would move we, out there. Uh, I think the uh, the turbo market is, is huge right now with with not just the diesel trucks, just about everything, turbo stuff is exploding, so it's definitely the future of the automotive industry with Ford leaning that way with smaller cubic inch motors and their gas applications and, and turbochargers, and I mean, there's so many of the the automakers that are leaning towards this technology that it's a market that's going to continue to grow so this is nick with calibrated power solutions we're happy to sponsor the podcast because we believe knowledge is power everyone in the diesel performance aftermarket needs accurate fact-based information to get the most out of their truck you included so be sure to check out calibratedpower.com or duramaxtuner.com for reliable info that you can count on and if you'd like to talk to us give us a call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. Back to the podcast. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was watching uh, Top Gear UK the other night, and they were talking about how in, in the late 80s, when turbos first came out on OEM manufactured cars, that the, you could everything that was cool was turbo. So you could get sunglasses that said turbo down the side. And if something was really boss, you would call it, oh, man, that thing's really turbo, you know, and... Uh, you know, nowadays it's it's an actual usable application. I mean, like you said, they're coming out and everything, but but we wanted to hone in today on on the Duramax. Uh, we've done a Ford Turbo episode, we've done a Cummins Turbo episode. We brought Jacob White on to talk to all of our listeners about the actual Duramax applications of turbocharging. But Jacob, let's get started at the beginning. Can you tell us about how you got started in diesel and what's your current role in the diesel community? Sure. Um, basically, I've 
kind of been a gearhead my whole life. Um, and when I was in college, I bought my first diesel pickup just right out of high school. Um, and obviously that just kind of snowballed into wanting to do a bunch of performance hot rod stuff. Um, so I got me into the three power stroke stuff, um, all through college and ended up doing a, uh, a full build on a, a motor and, and going a little crazy with that and ended up with a, a 7.3 that made about 600 horse on fuel. Get the um, fuck out of here. Which was a huge number then. I mean, we're talking 2006, 2007. It's still a huge um, number. For a 7.3, so, it's I mean, enormous. It was, uh, it was kind of a big deal back then, and nobody did it with, with the power stroke stuff, so it was kind of, it was it was fun for me because it was different. Um, and then uh, right out of college, I went to work for Diesel Tech Magazine as an assistant editor and worked there for about uh, two and a half years. Um, and my knowledge of the of the whole diesel market just grew at that point. Um, got to know a lot of the big names in the industry, different companies, um, you know, some of the vendors that supply all of this different aftermarket upgrade stuff. And I was able to kind of uh, grow my knowledge in the Duramax and Cummins stuff, which I had never really been around. Um, so that was, it was really nice for... Um, for growing and learning what everybody else is doing, what the new stuff is coming constantly. You know, there's always something new on the horizon. So being in the magazine side of things, I was able to keep up um, with everything from that point. Um, and in 2008, when our market crashed, um, the diesel industry got hit really hard and Diesel Tech Magazine got really hit really hard. They got laid off. Went to work for a performance shop here in Sandy, Utah, Wide Open Performance who specialized in power stroke stuff. Um, they're the shop I'd been working with on my previous truck. Ended up doing another build with them while I was an employee there on a two-wheel drive, regular cab truck, and got to be one of the first 7.3 power strokes to, to break that 1,000 horsepower mark. Um, and that was obviously kind of cool. Um, looking back, it wasn't a very smart decision because you spend so much freaking money on those things. Um, <laughs> but at the time, it was it was cool to show up somewhere with a thousand horsepower power stroke because it just was unheard of. Um, since that time, I've I've moved over to uh, High Tech Turbo, where I'm the general performance product manager, um, and kind of oversee all of the the performance product line, all of the aftermarket upgrade stuff that we offer for the power stroke Duramax and uh, Cummins applications. Congratulations on that! Some, thank you. Um, I still do some magazine stuff. On the side, I'm a freelance editor with Diesel World now, and I've been doing that for about five years. Um, so I'm able to, to keep up with everybody I know in the industry um, and and keep my fingers in all of the different avenues of this industry. It's, it's what I do, and it's what I love. Uh, I've just been lucky enough to, to convert a hobby into a, to a profession, basically. So That is awesome. You know, Jacob, all the times we've talked, I never knew that you were yeah. you had a 7.3 at heart. I don't know if you know this, but... I, I have a 7.3 that I think needs your love, man. I think you're going to have to come up here and get this thing. <laughs> he needs a I whole am, lot of loving. I, yeah, I am, unfortunately, a Ford guy at heart. Still am. Um, I, I do drive a Duramax now. People ask me why why would a Ford guy be driving a Duramax. My answer is always that uh, I just I like having something that starts and gets me to work every day. Um, <laughs> you said I it before I could. Fact that I'm, I'm a Ford guy. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I did not know. I mean, there's still only a handful of trucks that have ever been a 7.3 that got over the 1,000 horsepower mark. So that that's pretty nasty, man. I love the way how you downplay it. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. They bend rods at 500 horse. So right. doubling yeah, that's was, no it was joke. It a pretty extensive build. I mean, a full full competition motor with just about everything you could do. Um, 
But what was kind of fun with that one is that uh, we kind of built it to be a, uh, a nitrous baby. Um, just ran a single S300 with a couple of wastegates that were welded onto the end of the exhaust manifolds and dumped the atmosphere. So that truck made uh, like 482 on fuel and 1,018 on nitrous. So it, uh, we hit it pretty hard on the dyno with, with the spray, and it held together, but uh, it was a good time. <laughs> you know, you, you deal with turbos every day, and I know a lot of our listeners understand what a turbo is, but maybe you can go through and explain the basics of how turbos work and why we put them on diesel trucks. Okay. Um, basically, you're just trying to um, turn an, an exhaust energy into um, a useful energy. So the turbocharger basically it accepts the, the exhaust gases out of the, the manifolds, um, and it runs it across a, a turbine wheel which is connected with a shaft to a compressor wheel. So as the exhaust goes through that turbine wheel, it's turning the compressor wheel on the other side, which is, which is helping pull air into the motor um, while compressing it. So we're basically force-feeding air into the intake manifold of the engine, um, which obviously we all know is, is boost. Um, a lot of people think that more boost equals more power, which isn't always true because we're, what we're really concerned about is, is volume. The, the more air we can fit in the cylinders, the more power that motor's going to make because uh, obviously a diesel works on air, diesel, and heat. So getting the air into the motor, when you inject that diesel fuel and the heat is there, you're going to make your combustion chamber um, explode basically and, and create power. So the more air density we can get into the motor, the more efficient the motor's going to be, the more power it's going to make. So. I answer that question a lot, too, and it's really hard. People say, oh, well, this turbo boosts up to this type of PSI, and how come yours only boosts to this, and this one boosts to that? And it's not about the PSI. It's about the CFM, the quality of the air going into the motor. Correct, and and we answer the same question all the time as well. You know, we sell um, waste-gated turbochargers mainly to the, the Cummins market, the 12-valve, 24-valve Commonwealth market that uh, – we preset those wastegates at 40 psi, um, and people call all the time. How do I adjust this? I'm only making 40 pounds. Why can't I ju- uh, adjust it to make 50? When the reality is that um, at 50 pounds of boost, the air that's being compressed is hotter. Um, hotter air isn't as dense. So making more boost pressure doesn't necessarily mean that the truck's going to make more power. You could just be putting more stress on the turbocharger than is needed. Um, and actually be losing some performance. A lot of people don't understand that. So um, every turbocharger has has its own map of where it's most efficient, and every motor is going to be different. You know, some trucks are going to make a different boost pressure with with virtually the identical turbocharger as the next one would because the fueling is different, the timing, the tuning. I mean, there's so many things that go into what that turbocharger is going to do and how it's going to work on the engine at a given RPM range that it, it really is a... One, one turbo for each application situation. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So, um, you know, what we do at, at high tech is that we like to talk to the end user or we like to talk to the dealer and find out what's this turbo going on, what does the guy use the truck for, is this a daily driver, is this a towing application, is this a competition application, what is it used for, and where do we need to make the, the horsepower and the torque? What RPM range are we talking because a big turbocharger is going to make more power but be harder to drive. So that's not something we're going to want to put on a, a tow rig 
that's got 14,000 pounds behind it because the longer it takes to screw up and start making boost, the smokier it's going to be and the harder it's going to be to drive stoplight to stoplight or, or cruising at a low RPM because the turbocharger just won't be moving enough air to make that motor as efficient as it could be. It's a give and take. So thing. we try to take that time to find out what the customer actually needs from his truck so we can we can build a turbo specific for it. You know, Jacob, it's so good to hear you say that. And I feel like Danny and I come across this on every application of, of performance in the diesel community, not just Duramax turbos, but transmissions. We have a similar conversation, injectors. Pretty much every time we talk about building somebody's truck, we talk about the purpose of that truck and how different trucks will require different components to get the result that you're looking for. It's not a horsepower number, right, Danny? It's a feeling in the seat. That's really what you're going after. It's not... It's not just throw a turbo on it. It's how are you going to use the truck and let's match up the right turbo for what you're using it for. So I really like to hear that. Um, can you can you, you help me out here? Because I really want to dial this in for our Duramax guys. Can you kind of walk me through the progression of turbos that Duramax produced from the, from the factory? How did we run from an LB7 up to an LML? What were the differences? Sure. Um, the LB7, which is obviously the, the 01 to 04 trucks, um, came equipped with a, a fixed vane turbocharger built by IHI. Um, it's actually a really good little turbocharger. It's not very big. Um, it's got an internally wastegated housing on it so that they can control the overall boost pressure and exhaust drive pressure um, and make that turbo as efficient as it can be at the low RPM and the upper RPM at the given horsepower that that motor was released at. Um, you know, the, the LB7 uh, being the first generation of that Duramax was actually a really good motor. I mean, I remember back in the day when that motor was first coming around, um, everybody was worried about that Duramax motor and the aluminum cylinder head, how many problems they were going to have. Um, <laughs> it, 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 looking back, that thing is a home run. You know, that that Duramax motor was a great, great setup for GM to start with. Absolutely. Um, I think great even... foundation. And then as, as the years moved on and emissions became more of an issue, they had to make some changes to kind of dial it in, um, increase the horsepower while decreasing emissions. But that original LB7 turbocharger works really well for the application, um, and it, it spools nice, it drives nice. It's, it's actually a very durable little turbocharger for what it is. Um, you know, when we get those turbos in that need to be rebuilt or uh, modified or whatever it might be, it's very rare that we get one of those turbochargers that has had a catastrophic, um, catastrophic failure. Um, That's pretty amazing on them, to be honest with you. comparison, a stock turbocharger on an 03 to an 0759 Cummins Common Rail, those turbochargers um, are extremely problematic as a failure standpoint. It's not very often that those cores can be used, whereas with the LB7, we we get turbochargers in with 300-plus thousand miles that just need a basic rebuild kit, some bearings, some seals, um, balance it, and send it back out. So it it is a good turbocharger. that will support, you know, 500 horsepower, low 500 horsepower as it is in a stock form. Um, at that point, they kind of run out of steam. The compressor wheel just won't move enough air after that to do much more. Right. So that's when you start looking into upgrades. Um, but in a lot of LB7s, you know, 520, 530 horsepower is more than the stock transmission will support. Yeah. So oh, yeah, the, by far. The transmission becomes your the first step before a turbocharger. Right. Um, is there an advantage to upgrading the turbo on a stock trans truck? 
Uh, there can be. Um, you know, you could see some EGP control advantages with a, with a modified iHigh turbocharger, um, but you're not necessarily going to gain any horsepower at the 400 level because you're limited to the transmission. So, so you got your LB7, um, that's a fixed vein charger, and then they progressed into um, VGT chargers. Can you explain that, what the big difference is between getting into yeah. uh, that, um, what the difference is? Yeah, so the release in 2004.5 trucks, the LLY, is the first motor that Duramax released, GM released with the emissions system on them, an EGR, um, which the, the emissions system, I think, is the biggest reason that they switched to a, a VGT turbocharger. I don't think that the VGT was developed for a performance application. I personally think that the only reason that exists is for emissions control. I um, agree with that. On, on a VGT turbocharger, they basically have a, a set size turbine housing, um, but they have some small veins in it that can be open and closed via the tuning, via the computer, um, that will change the overall ratio of that housing. So when the, the veins are in a closed position, the ratio is much smaller, so the turbocharger spools easy um, and comes up on boost a lot quicker. And then as, as you get in, roll into the throttle, um, those veins will start to open and allow the exhaust to get out. So it eliminates the need for a wastegate um, because that's all now controlled by the veins. How open or how closed those veins are positioned will control your overall drive pressure and the exhaust pressure that's being used and, and how hard it's going to be used to spin that turbocharger. That's um, really good information, Jacob. Now, I know that the size changed from an LB7 to an LLY as well. Um, the LLY, to my understanding, is the largest frame charger of any Duramax from the factory. Is that it correct? Is, it is. It uses the largest compressor wheel from the factory. It's a 63 millimeter, and it also uses the largest turbine wheel. Um, all of the VGT turbos from the LLY, LBZ, LMM, and now the LML, they all use a 12-blade turbine wheel, but they were all of different sizes. Um, overall, inducer, exducer sizes were different. The LLY was the biggest. Um I think, personally, it's a little too big of a turbocharger for the application. Um, and Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did you just say? Did you say a turbocharger was too big? I literally don't know what you that means, You said personally. <laughs> don't. That's his opinion, Paul. He's our guest. Let's be nice. <laughs> All the, right, uh, today. It's the slowest to spool of the bunch. Um, you know, the LLY was the first with that emissions equipment, and I think it was a bit of a learning curve for these guys. Um and I think all of the manufacturers go through this. Obviously, they talk to a, a, a big OEM turbo company like Garrett or Borg Warner, whoever it might be, and say, this is what we're building. We need a turbocharger spec for this application, this horsepower range. Um, it's an emissions-controlled engine, and this is what we need. Um, and then, you know, Garrett comes together with, with something to put on that truck. And I think that, uh, as we found out later on when the LBZ was released and they went to a smaller turbocharger, um, I think that LLY for a stock horsepower application is a little bit too much. Um, it doesn't spool as good as they can, um, and, and you're, you're sacrificing some drivability compared to, say, an LBZ turbocharger, which is a little bit smaller. Um, the LLY is obviously going to support more horsepower. It's going to move more air and have lower drive pressure. But uh, from a daily driver towing application, I think there, there's room for improvement, which we found out later with the LBZ. That's awesome. So, what changed when they went to the LBZ? It just got smaller? Yeah, they went to a smaller compressor wheel and to a smaller turbine wheel. Um, another difference that isn't, I don't know that 
makes a giant difference, but the veins themselves are actually uh, shorter in height. They're the exact same profile, but they went from a 15-millimeter height vein in the LLY to a 13.2-millimeter height vein in the LBZ. Um, and I think that, again, is just to help improve response um, to go along with the smaller turbine wheel. The turbocharger is going to spool better and drive better. Um, the other thing that you have to think about that may have had something to do with the change in the turbocharger is with the LBZ, they went to a six-speed transmission, which means overall the LBZ is going to continue to run a lower RPM range than the LLY would with only five speed. So with a lower RPM, the smaller turbocharger is going to be driven harder at that low RPM. So it, it should work better. Makes a lot of sense. That actually makes total sense, doesn't it? Like I'm sitting so, here thinking about it. I'm like, yeah. wow. I guess there is a good time to have a smaller charger. You so. know, we're over here shaking our head. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. our listeners can't see that, of course. But <laughs> just wanted to tell you guys what we're It's all about drivability. Was. You know, it's it's all about the off throttle response. You know, if if you're cruising at sixty miles an hour and the truck's making uh, four to five pounds of boost, and you start to roll into throttle with a fourteen thousand pound trailer behind you, the longer it takes for that thing to go from five pounds of boost to twenty five pounds of boost, the more heat you're going to start generating, which you're going to see on your pyrometer. Um, and the more smoke you're going to be putting out that pipe, you know, the, the quicker that thing's going to come up, come up on boost, the better it's going to drive, um, and the better you're going to be able to control those EGTs at the low RPM. Obviously, it changes drastically in a wide-open throttle situation. Um, but again, that's where we go into finding out what the truck is used for. Right. Is this a track truck? Is this a weekend hot rod? Or is this something that you use on a daily basis to tow a, a backhoe with? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. What... What changed when they went to the LMM? Is that the same as the LBZ turbo? Uh, it's pretty similar. Um, they did, again, go a little bit smaller on the exhaust wheel, um, and they dropped from the 13.2-millimeter veins down to a 12-millimeter vein, again, to, to improve response. And I think another um, hidden reason is for the emissions control. You know, with the LMM is when they went to the DPF, um, and the EGR system is obviously still a... a very high-functioning system with those motors. Um, with that VGT turbo, they can close the veins and basically force that exhaust to go through the EGR cooler um, because it just there's not enough room for all of the exhaust to flow through the turbocharger. Right. Um, it, the only place it can go is through the EGR cooler, which is something that obviously they're trying to, to make happen. The more exhaust they can um, push back through that motor, the, the better the emissions are going to be. Um, but with the DPF being introduced in the 2008 LMMs, um, they need to be able to control smoke. You know, the more soot that's being introduced into that uh, DPF, the more often it's going to regen um, and the harder it's going to be to get fuel mileage and all those other things that, that come from a DPF application. So if they can limit the, the low tip-in smoke output, they can somewhat control how much soot's going to be going through that filter and, and how often it's got to be cleaned. So... Um, in a stock LMM application, the smaller turbocharger, again, is going to be better at controlling the smoke. When you get into a modified application that's tuned, um, you know, you're increasing your, your demand for pulse width or whatever it might be, and there, there's going to be some more soot there. Um, and obviously that, that just brings up a whole another set of problems with, yeah. a, with a DPF application. You know, it's all about tuning control at that point. Absolutely. Any other differences between the LBZ and the LMM charger? Uh, they did switch from a, an open bore wheel to a closed bore wheel. Um, and what does that mean? Basically, the the difference there is that on a LLY, 
LBZ turbocharger, the shaft goes all the way through the compressor wheel, um, and there's a nut on the end that, that it threads on to. Whereas on the LMM and the LML turbo, they switch to a closed core wheel where the shaft um, has threads that thread onto the back side of the compressor wheel. I don't know that there's any real difference in performance um, and why they've made that switch, I can't say. But uh, they did convert from an open through bore wheel to a closed bore wheel in the LMM model. Okay. So before we move any further, I just want to talk about the LML stock charger now just to get it out of there. And what is the difference between all the other chargers versus the LML charger that's currently available from 11 to present time? The LMM had a, probably the most changes. Um, it's not a turbocharger that's really interchangeable between the previous models, whereas before you could put an LBZ turbo on an LLY basically as a direct swap, um, no, no need to change anything on the vehicle. And the same with the LMM. You know, you could interchange those turbochargers with any other model as long as you use the same um, pressure switch or control solenoid. But with the LML um, and the introduction of the urea system, um, there were some changes made to the downpipe so that the exhaust flange outlet is different. It's, it's on an angle. Yeah. Whereas the, the earlier models weren't so... It's not so much the interchangeable. There is some changes with the, the coolant lines that run to the center section of that turbocharger. Um, so the center section itself is different, um, just in how the lines attach to it. And then they also, on the compressor cover, there's also, a, I believe it's a temp sensor um, that threads into the compressor cover of the LML turbocharger, whereas the uh, the previous models didn't have that. So. Okay, okay, good wrap-up. Well, I definitely appreciate you kind of walking us through the history here, Jacob. I think that'll give our listeners a really good idea of knowing a little bit more about what turbo they have on their Duramax right now. Fixed blade, VGT, what, you know, the yeah, difference at least. Absolutely. And also, I, I love it because I had written down for one of my questions here, can I put an LLY turbo on an LMM or on, on any other truck? So I really like the fact that we dove into that. One of the other really, really common questions in this industry um, is we hear – everybody in the aftermarket turbo world talk about journal bearing and ball bearing. Mm -hmm. What the fuck, man? What's the difference? Um, it's basically just the center. I mean, we're talking about the bearings that the shaft rides on. Um, obviously, it, uh, that turbocharger, depending on the application, can be turning at, you know, 150, 180,000 RPM um, on that shaft. So that shaft obviously has to ride on bearings that are, that are lubricated by oil. Um, to keep that thing turning and, and moving free. So a journal bearing turbocharger is basically just using two brass bearings um, that, ride, that the shaft rides on. A ball bearing turbocharger uses exactly that. It's a, a, a cage with ball bearings in it. So the ball bearing unit will have less resistance um, because there's more, less surface area actually touching the, 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 the turbocharger's um, turbine shaft. Um, so usually... A uh, ball bearing cartridge will spool a little bit better because there's less resistance to make that happen. It's easier for that compressor wheel and turbine wheel to turn in a ball bearing application. I uh, feel I feel like a, it's kind of like a roulette wheel. Just keeps spinning and spinning when you spin it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it, it's easier for that for that to happen. Um, so in in reality, it should be easier for it to spool. It should um, come up on boost a little bit quicker. But just thinking off the top of my head, I can't think of a, a, a diesel application that uses a ball-bearing turbocharger factory. Um, and I think, from my standpoint, seeing these turbochargers come in all the time, um, the biggest thing we see is that the lack of um, maintenance 
is a big thing with diesel trucks. I don't think these guys change their oil quite as often as they should. Or the diesel engine is just a lot harder on the oil compared to a gas application. Um, and because of that, the journal bearing is going to be, I think, more durable in a diesel application. Um, sure, you might give up a couple hundred RPM in the spool up, um, but the debris, the crap that, that gets into the oil um, of a diesel is going to be a little, that journal bearing is going to be a little more forgiving, um, in my opinion. Does that mean that a ball bearing turbocharger shouldn't go on a diesel? No, absolutely not. Um, but I think a little bit more care has to be taken um, for that. The the big downside to a ball bearing unit is that usually when one fails, there's nothing you can do about it. You throw it in the garbage and put another one on it. Whereas with a journal bearing turbocharger, as long as the compressor wheel or the turbine wheel have not rubbed on the housings, um, you're a hundred dollar rebuild kit away from having that thing back up and running. Oh, that's awesome. So most everything that we do is journal bearing based. Um, you know, Garrett makes some ball bearing turbochargers. Um, Borg Warner offers some ball bearing turbochargers in the EFR line, but again, that it's that stuff's a lot more prominent on gas applications. Right. Right. So. So we want to get into some scenarios. Let's say a guy okay. has an LB7. He's got 30% over injectors, a stock CP3, stock transmission. He's got a few supporting modifications. He wants every bit of horsepower he can squeeze out of it. Where do you think he's going to land? In uh, an LB7 with a stock transmission, like we talked about before, you're you're limited to the transmission, so you're at that 400 horse level. I don't necessarily think that a, a turbocharger um, is is a necessity, um, but if we're talking a built transmission application with 30% injectors, um, the modified iHi, the the self 64, um, is a slam dunk. I mean that turbocharger drives just like a stock one does. Um, I you would be hard pressed to put someone in the seat of a truck with a Stealth 64 um, and have them drive it and ha- and then be able to tell you that it is not a stock turbocharger until they go to the wide open throttle. Absolutely position. correct. Yeah, I, um, I can back up okay. Jacob on that. I've driven about 100 trucks with Stealth 64s on them. Obviously, Danny and I are members of Duramax Tuner Crew, so we work with Stealth 64s every day. Um, I can back that one up with personal experience. Yeah, That is a badass little charger. It's yeah. a lot it, of fun. It is. It, it works really well. Um, with a 30% injector, that truck with the right tune can make 600 horse and drive just like it does stock. I mean, you can drive that truck at 400 horsepower and never know that there's a turbocharger, an aftermarket turbocharger on it. Um, but when you roll into that throttle, that larger compressor wheel um, and the additional airflow that comes from it is just going to allow that power band to be extended. Um, my personal truck, O2 LB7, um, when it was still running the stock injectors, I switched to the Stealth 64. Um, and the dyno showed that it picked up about 25 horsepower at the peak RPM range, say at 2,400 RPM, which doesn't sound like a lot. There was no change in the tune whatsoever. That's just changing the turbocharger. If you watch that dyno curve and compare the graphs at 3,400 RPM, that 25 horsepower peak had actually grown to over 75 horsepower. So at 3,400 RPM, by doing nothing but a turbo swap, we gained 75 horsepower and 140 foot-pound of torque. Wow. So... The turbocharger just makes more power for longer, so you've got a much broader power band to work with. So it, with a 30% injector, I mean, it's been proven on multiple trucks that it's a 600-horsepower setup that you can daily drive, you can tow, you can put your wife in it and not be concerned about uh, uh, there being a problem. You know, it's it's just a, f- a fail-proof, awesome little daily driving turbocharger. Um, 
and the nice thing is, is that it installs easy. There's, it's a direct replacement to the stock turbocharger, so nothing has to be changed. So, if your LB7 isn't all rusted out, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uppipe bolts can definitely, the uppipe and the downpipe bolts can definitely be a nightmare to get to break loose. Um, but you don't have to install aftermarket kit pieces. There's not aftermarket plumbing. There's not aftermarket piping. You don't have to change coolant lines. You know, it's there's nothing that has to be modified on the truck other than just swapping the turbocharger, which makes it nice. Absolutely um, correct. I really dig that. So, yeah, okay. So so we got a Cell 64 and an LB7, pretty much any LB7 that you want to keep, that you want to max out your stock fuel, whether that's a stock pump or a stock injector, um, I would say is a great match for a Cell 64. And you can twin over them down the road. So if you want to make big power down the road, they mat, they bolt up to your standard twin kit. So there's really no modification needed, even if you're going to go that route. And they do allow right. for a little bit higher peak capacity. We've seen it on the race truck that at one point they had a, 64 in the valley with a 500 s500 over it i want to say a 91 and it was you know it was a 10 second truck i mean she she scooted down the track um okay how about some different scenarios how about some newer trucks here what if i had an lbz with a built trans 60 percent injectors dual cp3s i have all the supporting mods but i sled pull this truck and i sled pull in like i don't know let's say central ohio which is one of the most competitive sled pull areas in the country um I've been in work stock, but I really want to max it out. So my rules, let's just say they allow for any stock appearing charger. So I got I got all the fuel in the world, right? I got enough fuel to make, you know, 750 horsepower. Right. What would you recommend for a work stock sled pull and turbo that is stock um, appearing? What's the most we that, could get? That, uh, it's an application we don't have as much, um, I, I don't know that I'd say knowledge in, but it's, it's just not a market that we do a whole lot of stuff with. Um, we do offer a modified stock turbocharger for those trucks. Um, that's a 63 millimeter compressor wheel, but to get the max out of that kind of fuel, that's not going to be enough turbocharger. Um, and that's where you'd look into some of the other aftermarket VGT turbos that some of the other places that are, that are there in that area, um, Illinois, Indiana, those guys that are, that are dealing with this on more of a day-to-day basis, you know, a, a larger turbocharger, a 68 millimeter, um, you know, you've got guys like Danville Performance, Fleece Performance, um, some of those places that, that build uh, a, a bigger VGT turbocharger that, that would probably work good in that application. Um, That's awesome, man. I, I really I appreciate your honesty with that. Yeah. So, I mean, Garrett offers a Stage 2 upgrade for these trucks. That's a drop-in replacement, um, the GT4094 VNT. Um, personally, I've not, I've never been in a truck with that turbocharger that I've been impressed with. Um, I think it's a little bit lazy on the bottom end. Um, but uh, again, a lot of that can be controlled with tuning. And I also live at, at 4,300 feet elevation. So that takes a, a big, a, a big effect on how the turbocharger works. So, um, I mean, that would be an option for, for somebody like that. But, uh, again, I don't know that that would be my first suggestion. So I'm right there with you. You know, I've driven a lot of 4094 trucks and, uh, they're always laggy pigs. That's just the way it is. Some guys like it. Some guys like to spool up and then, you know, it comes on hard. They scream, they make a lot of noise and then all the power hits at once. You know, some guys are really into that, that driving feeling. Um, I'm right there with you, Jacob. I'm not, I like something that spools quick and runs long. Uh, well, just, that's what she the, said. The way I see it, if, if that's the, if that's how you feel and, and that's how you like the, the truck to drive, um, I think you're going to get better performance from switching to a fixed vein turbocharger at that point. Um, you know, you can get uh, better EGT control, better drive pressure control from a from a S300 based Ford Warner turbocharger 
that will make the same or more power than that 4094, and in some applications could drive better. But, again, you just walked away from your stock appearing application. So Right, right, which in sled pull, that's that's what makes or breaks it, right? That's what either Correct. lets you lets you pull or not. Okay, um, let's just do one more here. So uh, if I have an LML and I drag race every weekend, I pull a 20-foot camper a few times a year, I got to have something, like you said before, I like that idea that my wife could drive the truck. Um, I'm willing to do whatever you suggest. I have no limits. I have no budget. What's your favorite daily driver, drag racer, camper, towing, your all-around turbo setup? If money wasn't an option, what would you recommend to that guy? Uh, I'm going twins. Absolutely all the way. Um, It is absolutely impossible to beat the drivability of twins and still be able to make horsepower. Um, You know, in an LML truck, if we're talking uh, an injector swap um, to a little bigger 30%, 60% injector, taking the CP4 out and putting a CP3 in it, um, you know, we're, we're just a set of twins away from making 700 horse and being able to turn it down to 500 and giving your wife the keys um, and having her tow the trailer. Um, you know, it's just the, the usability of, of a overstocked twin kit is just unbeatable in that application. That's awesome. What would you run for the atmospheric charger? Uh, it kind of depends on how much fuel we're talking. I mean, an out-of-the-box S-475, is probably by far the most common, the most popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're adding a lot of fuel into the mix, obviously we, we can go a little bit bigger to an S480 um, to pair with. Uh, that's probably a little bit too much turbocharger to pair with a stock LML turbo um, because it's going to be a choke point at that, at that situation. But if you're running a modified turbocharger in the valley, you know you can step up to that S480 and have really good performance and drivability still. Um, again, all that falls back onto a tuning control situation but for the guy that wants to do everything with his truck um you got to lean towards twins that's awesome and why why are you gonna let your wife pull a trailer what kind of i don't i wouldn't do that i would because our wives know how to drive with a trailer on homie i don't know dude no that's not true my wife can barely drive her (laughs) nissan she doesn't listen to these so i can get away with saying that you guys will never tell her uh, <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> okay, what's the most horsepower you've ever seen out of a twin kit in a project you've worked on, Jacob? Uh, highest horsepower on a twin kit and a Duramax. Yep. Um, got a couple of customers that are in that thousand to eleven hundred range, um, and still have the truck be usable um, and streetable. Um, have a couple of customers that have that we've set up with a triple turbo setup um, that are in the fifteen hundred range. Um, one just recently at the Ultimate Call It Challenge this last week was up, in, I think, right around 1580 with a triple setup on fuel. Oh, um, shit. But in a twin kit that, that you can drive and use the vehicle for that's not just a competition only, um, 1,000, 1,100 is, is pretty common. After that, they kind of you kind of lose the, the usability. Yeah. Would you say that a twin kit is your favorite turbo setup, or is there something else that you prefer to drive or something else that you would prefer to put on your personal truck? Uh, it just, again, it depends on how you want to drive your truck and what you use it for. Uh, my personal truck, again, that 2 LB7 just did a motor build in it, um, you know, with uh, rods and studs and, and uh, cam swap and 60% injectors and a, a 12-millimeter Exergy pump. Um, you know, so the truck's got fuel for 800 horsepower, maybe low 800. Um, and I opted to go with a, an S300-based Borg Warner, the new 69-millimeter SXE. Um, mostly because 
in my line of work, I want to be able to test a bunch of different applications to then test a bunch of different uh, combos and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and so the idea with this particular build was to be able to test some of the different S300s, maybe step up into some of the S400s um, and see how the drivability is there. Um, but really, once the tune got dialed in with this 69-millimeter turbocharger, um, the truck's making mid-700s, um, and I would have absolutely no problem turning it down to one of the lower horsepower tunes and, and towing a camp trailer with it the way it's set. And that's even at, at this elevation. I mean, it's, awesome. it's a very responsive setup. It's fun as hell on the street. Um, if, if you drive the truck for a day or two and kind of learn how to chase that charger up on boost, um, you can drive it virtually smoke-free and tear the tires off of it on the 1, 2, and 2, 3 shift, no problem, <laughs> without ever putting any stuff down on the street. That's so, a legitimate test. Um, I wish they would start advertising turbos with that test. Like, listen, here's the exact throttle input and speed you're going to need to be to tear the tires off of this motherfucker while you're rolling with it. <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, it's uh, you kind of learn how to drive them. And that's the thing with, with when you go to a bigger turbocharger, you kind of have to relearn how to drive the truck. Um, and and you, you start to get a feel of, of where the RPMs are that that, that turbocharger is happiest and, and what you have to do to make that truck respond. Right. Um, you know, TCM tuning can really make or break one of these setups um, once you step up into the bigger turbo market, you know, because it, they do need a little bit more RPM to work if, effectively. So, you know, a, a good TCM tune That's that, that keeps it in the RPM range is going to make the truck more drivable. Um, yep, you tune, the, tran- so you tune the transmission control through. module, you know, for Correct. a big turbo truck, and it goes a long way. That little adjustment will make the big difference. In my opinion, I've seen it. I've dealt with it firsthand. And thanks for bringing that up because a lot of the times the TCM goes unnoticed and unmodified. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think TCM tuning and uh, the, having the correct stall matched to your turbo is, is probably the two biggest things that will affect your modified turbo for drivability. Correct. Uh, I yep. know, and like, on, on our Stealth 677, we recommend about a 23 to 2600 stall depending on your your injector setup and your horsepower goals uh, i know on the stell 64 we recommend stock stall for your lb7 cell 64 vvt which is the new duramax tuner variable vein drop-in i know that one requires stock stall uh, but as we get into some of the bigger kits and some of the bigger single chargers being able to have the rest of the truck set up to run that something that jacob i love that you had mentioned that earlier on the lb7 your stock trans isn't going to handle a turbo. So if you're looking to add more power, don't waste your money here. Save your money and build the trans, right? Like have Correct. the truck set up ready for a turbo. And that's what I think is, is really important. And a point that we keep reiterating on the show here is you want to talk to somebody. You want to give somebody a shout and really get a good idea. What am I trying to achieve here? And if at, if at all possible, you want to ride in as many trucks that are modified as possible so you can get a good idea of what people mean when they say it's really laggy or right. when I say I hate a 4094. I don't hate what a 4094. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of the way it feels when I drive the truck. Well, they all have their own personalities, I believe, in my opinion. When you put a charger on a truck, it changes the personality of your truck and how it reacts. And to get what fits you the best, that's why that is a good piece of advice to get in as many trucks as you can and go for a ride. That's right. Like girls in high school, get in as many as possible. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Just in high school? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, some of us. Um, okay, so so I do want to say thank you very much to Jacob White of HTT for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. 
how can our listeners get a hold of you if they're interested in finding out more about what you and HGT have to offer? Uh, I mean, obviously, we've got a website, hgturbo.com, um, and that has a pretty broad range of the different options we, we have available for the Duramax Power Stroke and Cummins applications. Um, you can reach us on the phone anytime at 801 300 and I'm happy to answer questions um, at any time. Um, if someone's wondering what that next step is or, or what turbocharger is going to be best for that application. Um, but, again, uh, working with your specific shop or the dealer that's local to you um, or your tuner, I mean, the, the tuner comes into uh, to play with an aftermarket turbocharger because they can make or break the, the, the way the truck runs as well. So, I mean, you know, talking to the guys at Duramax Tuner, you guys out there, you've been around so many different trucks and so many different applications, um, that you, that you can usually pinpoint what the guy's after and what the guy needs um, with a 15-minute conversation and get him set up with something that, that he's going to be spending his money on that's worthwhile. You know, we're not just throwing money into the wind and building something that the guy's going to hate. You know, um, just oh, yeah. get in touch with somebody, somebody that knows, somebody with some, some background, someone with some knowledge um, of the specific application, whether that's calling us direct or, or talking to a, a dealer. You know, it's, you like nailed you it. said, you got to build a history in this industry. You got to know what you're talking about and what you're doing, and you got to know what the outcome looks like. Right. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, guys, thank you very much for joining us today, Jacob. This has been Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com, developer of performance engine and transmission calibrations for a wide variety of late model diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, John Deere, Jeep, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. And why, why are you going to let your wife pull a trailer what kind of i don't i wouldn't do that i would because our wives know how to drive with a trailer on homie i don't know dude no I that's not true my wife <laughs> can barely drive her <laughs> nissan she doesn't listen to these so i can get away with saying that you guys will never tell her <laughs>